Now, it may not feel like a blessing when you're going through it, but as we open ourselves, we see the blessing that God holds for us, uh, whatever the storm may be. One of the blessings that we have shared with Hurricane Ike is that sense of support that we discover in each other. Those acts of kindness, those phone calls, the way neighbors have met each other and helped clear each other's debris. Even before Hurricane Ike hit, the support was beginning. I, for one, began to receive calls from other MCC pastors heading up to the weekend of the storm. Calls started coming in as early as Tuesday of that week. Uh, my mother called from Idaho and we prayed together over the phone and she followed that up by more prayers that she left on my voicemail. Uh, my brother tried to support. <laughs> he called from Idaho with a voicemail that went something like this. Oh, Dwayne, I I've got my computer on and that thing is huge. <laughs> it it's, 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 it's huge and it's coming right for you. Oh, Dwayne. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, really, really praying for you. <laughs> That sucker's huge! <laughs> I was talking with my brother later um, at about 1.15 a.m. on Saturday morning and our phone call was, was actually interrupted um, as, the, as the electricity in my house went out. I made a shelter in one of my rooms. My house is surrounded by lots of trees. And it was at that moment that at least for a while there would be uh, no more phone calls no more voicemails. There was a moment where I truly was in a place where I was invited to simply hear the voice of God. To find a blessing in the storm even at that moment. And I listened and what came to me was um, Dwayne I'm not going to promise you that this is going to be easy. But I promise you this, no matter how difficult it gets, I'm going to show you grace every day for however long it takes. All you have to do is look for grace. Now when you wake up and you don't have electricity or if you're up all night riding the storm, when you look out your window and you see trees down or if you find yourself staring up at water coming down through your ceiling you all have your own stories it's difficult to see the grace and yet the grace is there it comes in the first phone call it comes in the first cup of coffee five days after the storm it comes when you find out that that one you love made it through it's a power that goes beyond electricity. It's seeing God and seeing grace in each other, no matter how sweaty we are, how we smell. It's a phone call that comes in at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning while the backside of the storm is still passing through, and a board member and Kristen say, you know, the, I think we're going to be okay. I... Uh, I think the, da the damage is relatively minor. 
It's grace that comes through in so many ways. And this grace, it's not just mere grace. It's really God coming through. It's God coming through in a very real and alive and untamed and uncontained sort of way. And this is really the way that God has sought to interact with us all along. If you look at the Hebrew Scriptures, you see a very earthy, a very alive, a very powerful sort of God. In the psalm today, it speaks of, of a God who is revealed in surprising and real and alive ways. A God who is shown through both people and nature. A God who is shown through events. A God who does not love from a distance, but loves up close. A God who loves every moment. And one of the reasons that God sent Jesus is that this faith that had been so uncontained was becoming contained. People had begun to set structures around the work of God. They'd begun to build institutions around the work of God. And it was becoming less real. In a sense, it was not only contained, once they contained it, they had to maintain it. <laughs> so they set up all kinds of systems to protect this God who they were trying to contain, this religion that had become boxed in. And that's when Jesus comes on the scene. It's to give God a face again. To give God eyes again. To give God hands again. A God who sweats. <laughs> a God who loves. A God who hurts. And yet Jesus had a hard time breaking through the structures and the establishment and the institution. And in fact, when Jesus tries to simply love, as many of us and as many gathered here have loved in recent weeks, they were suspicious of him. He wasn't doing it in the way they said it needed to be done. In today's gospel, they actually confront Jesus with a question. And the question is, by what authority do you do these things? Who approved you? Have you filled out all your paperwork? We cannot support you unless we know who you are and where you're from. It's a little bit like what people are going through in their FEMA applications. <laughs> now, many times as we look at the New Testament readings, we, we see that the disciples and the religious authorities and even Jesus end up getting stereotyped and, and characterized. I think there's a disservice there. This idea that Jesus is always opposing the religious authorities. Yes, there is some challenge there. But I think if we look more closely, if we move beyond the stereotypes, we see that Jesus loved those who challenged him. And in this dialogue we see today in our gospel, we see that what Jesus is really trying to do is to show them mercy and compassion. To get them back to the uncontained, untamed God. He does that by speaking in ways that relate to their real lives. He tells a parable of a parent and two children. He speaks in terms they understand. And what he's really trying to do is to get them back to a faith that is relationship-based as opposed to religion-based. That God who meets us in moments like we've shared in recent weeks. 
that God who shows up in gentle ways and in strong ways, in unexpected ways, and in wild ways. Think about the last couple of weeks for yourself. What surprised you? What were your moments of humor? What were your moments of fear? And where did you see God in those? Where did you experience God in those? You know, God can show up anytime if we simply open our eyes. There's a spiritual writer who talked about finding God on a beach in an unusual form, perhaps. The spiritual writer's name is Mary Benedict, and she's a contemplative who lives with her partner in Hawaii. And she talks about a unique encounter with a monk seal and how she experienced the holy in that. I want to share this in her own words. The beach was completely deserted, but for the two of us. The monk seal had come into the beach to rest. Her gaze made me feel she was as struck by me as I was by her. I sat down barely a yard from her. Oh, this monk seal. She had beautiful, large brown eyes. And she did not appear the slightest fearful of me. We simply sat and studied each other. I had never been this close to a wild animal out in nature before. I spoke softly to her. She never broke eye contact. With quiet dignity, we sat like that for almost an hour. It was a mystical experience for me. I felt uniquely at one with creation. I told her what a wonder she was. And knowing her species is fighting extinction, I prayed for her. I knew her right to this space was as great as mine. For this moment in time, we shared it. I realized that both of us are a part of God's reflection. Both of us are a part of God's creation. Both of us reveal God's glory. Her very being seemed to praise God. Not only praise God, but reveal God. Reluctantly, I withdrew and continued my walk on this solitary beach. When I returned, she'd gone back out to sea. Yet her presence and the moments we shared have stayed with me. And I could not help wondering if at times my presence is cause for others to praise God. When we share each other's presence, when we open our eyes to the holy presence of God around us, we discover a new depth, a new depth of faith, and life. We find hope and vibrancy in each other. Whose presence has called you to praise God? That's what Jesus was getting at. He was simply looking into the eyes of his followers and into the eyes of his challengers, saying, I see God in you. I see holy in you. I see something real in you. So let's go to that real place. Whose presence calls you to praise God? 
the presence of Harbor MCC causes me to praise God. They offer hope to the people of Galveston and beyond. And today we share this time together to find strength in each other. I learned something about zebras recently. Oftentimes they will stand with one zebra looking this way and one zebra looking that way and they'll swat flies off each other to help protect each other. And they also are looking out for a threat coming from this direction or a threat coming from that direction. In other words, they help nurture each other and they help protect each other. And today, um, Harbor MCC is not only a harbor for the people of Galveston, Harbor MCC is a harbor for all of us who need the love and support of our neighbors and each other. We harbor each other. We also invite each other to life and that's where the resurrection piece comes in. No matter how difficult it gets, we look into each other's eyes and we say, live, live, live again. So Harbor MCC and Resurrection MCC, we're, 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 we're together. And it is my honor today to welcome my uh, colleague and sister, Reverend Pat Farnan of Harbor MCC. And you have some words to share as well today. And I can't wait to hear what God has on your heart today. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Thank God for this absolutely blessed, wonderful day. I bring greetings on behalf of all the saints of Harbor Metropolitan Community Church of Galveston. And I thank you all so much for sharing your wonderful sacred space of worship with us today. You know, sometimes when I prepare for a sermon, I find myself struggling with the Holy Spirit, wondering what it is God is calling me to bring to the people of God. When Reverend Duane asked me to share this time with him, I was absolutely honored because I know how difficult it is for a pastor to give up their pulpit. <laughs> Not only for a pastor to just give up their pulpit, but to share that holy, sacred space with another pastor is not an easy thing to do. And so I was absolutely honored. But then he showed me what the sermon topic was. And all of a sudden, my joy turned into dread and panic. <laughs> I mean, look at it. It says, integrity is a choice. Choose faith expression over faith pretension. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I can say that honestly. Oh, my God, what am I going to talk about? It wasn't the theme of integrity that I had difficulty with. I love integrity. It's a beautiful word. It's a wonderful word. It's all about honesty and moral character. My heroes and sheroes in the world all have great integrity. Integrity is an awesome word. Integrity is probably the defining characteristic that I seek in people whom I allow into my inner circle of friends. Integrity is what motivates me to do the things that I do. No, integrity wasn't the problem. It wasn't the part about faith expression either. I could preach about faith expression with my eyes closed, never putting pen to paper, because it's something that I strive to do on a daily basis. 
is to express my faith. That wasn't the problem either. My problem was with that little word, pretension. I mean, really, what does pretension mean anyway? It's not something I use in my everyday language. And if I did, it would be rather pretentious of me to do that, wouldn't it? <laughs> How many of you, and I don't want to hear anybody that was here for the 9 o'clock service this morning blurt out the answer. For those of you who were not here at nine, how many of you know what a logo file is? Nobody? No, it's, not, it's not somebody who loves the logo channel. That, that's not it. That's not it. You take that word apart, logo, which means word, you know, logos like the word of God, and file, which is a lover of something. So logo file is a lover of words. I have to admit, I am a logophile. I am a closet logophile. Well, I'm not now. I just let myself out of the closet, didn't I? <laughs> yes, I am a closet logophile. And Judy, my beloved partner, I have to admit, I have another love in my life. I am sorry. I love words. But I only take them out to play when you're at work, so don't worry about it. <laughs> So when I'm having difficulty with a sermon and what it is I'm supposed to talk about, the first thing that I do is I go to a dictionary because I love words. And so I took this sermon title apart and I went to the dictionary on my computer, dictionary.com. Works wonders. And it's always funny to me how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit has an incredible sense of humor. Do y'all know that? And when you go to the dictionary and you think you know what a word means, usually they have four, five, six, seven, eight meanings, however many, and you always find something in there that's very humorous. And it usually ties back to the scripture in ways you would have never even imagined. And so I can just see God up there laughing. Ha, ha, ha. And so I looked up, first of all, the word integrity. I think I know what integrity is all about. Integrity is about honesty. It's about good moral character. But one of the things the dictionary said about integrity was that it is a state of being whole. Now, that's something I can stink, sink my teeth into, isn't it? The state of being whole. I love talking about wholeness. To me, that's what MCC is all about, isn't it? It's about taking broken, damaged People, people that are impaired in their lives because of what the world has done to them and bringing them into wholeness, into wonderful physical, emotional, spiritual wholeness. And so integrity is about being whole. So where do we go from there? We can choose to be whole. That's what we're learning today. We can choose to be whole. What a concept. Somebody should have told me that a long time ago, that this was a choice I could make. I had no idea. We can choose to be whole. Well, next I looked up the word expression. Expression is an indication of feeling, spirit, character, etc., as on the face, in the voice, or in artistic execution. Well, us queer folk, we're real good at that, aren't we? 
We're real good at expression. We get our emotions right out there. We know how to do that part pretty well. So then I went to pretension. And I looked up pretension. And it said a claim to dignity, importance, or merit. But it also said the act of pretending. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Pretension is the act of pretending. And so... If we go from there, we get down to the nitty-gritty of what this sermon topic is all about. We can choose to indicate our feelings, our spirit, our character through the execution of our faith, or we can be pretenders in our faith. It's a choice. We all can make that choice. Now, how many of you in here have ever known pretenders in the faith? Oh, what do they look like? They're pretty scary to me. If you hear somebody say that they speak for God, whoa, (laughs) be afraid, be very afraid. How about people that say, I know the will of God. I know the mind of God. As if God even has a mind. Does God have a mind and think like we do? That would be scary, wouldn't it? I know pretenders of the faith that go to church every Sunday. They can quote the Bible, chapter, verse, off the top of their heads with amazing and swift speed that totally just blinds me. And I've been trained in this. I can't remember scripture verses by number. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. (laughs) Well, I know that's in Matthew, and it's somewhere around page, or chapter 25 or something like that. You know pretenders of the faith when you see them? They do things, like carry a picket sign at a fallen soldier's funeral saying, God hates fags. Pretenders in the faith claim to love God but fail to love all of God's people. Unfortunately, we see way too many pretenders of the faith. But what do people look like who express their faith? What does that look like? We see folks like that too. People that work in the food pantries. People who go help build homes for Habitat and for Humanity. People who volunteer to go over to their neighbor's yard with a chainsaw and help them cut up down tree limbs even though their yard looks relatively unscathed. People who help folks when there's a need. Folks who go to nursing homes and read for the elderly. People who sit in the hospital with AIDS patients whose own pastor won't even go there and pray with them because of the stigma of their disease. These are people who express their faith. You know who else expresses their faith? People who come to Galveston to help clean up a flooded, stinking, moldy church. People who hold others' hands 
and give them words of encouragement and tell them it's going to be okay. There's always hope. People who come and help a small, thriving church rebuild. Those are people who express their faith. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about a faith of action. Not a faith of words. Not a faith of pretending to be something that you're not. If you can't put your money where your mouth is, walk your talk, go where the rubber hits the road, then guess what? There's still time to change. That was the beauty of today's story in the Scripture. One says, no, Dad, I'm not going to go work in the field. Sun's too hot today. I'm not going to do it. The other says, sure, I'll do it, no problem. You know I'm always there for you, Dad. And then does it show up? Maybe we have been the one in the past who has said, no, I'm not doing that, not today, sun's too hot, I got better things to do. Maybe we've been that person at some time. I know I've been that person at some time. The beauty of it is that we can always change. We can always turn back around. You know, today's scripture references John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had a unique message that pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> Repent, for the kingdom of God is close at hand. People don't like that word, repent. But you know what repent really means? Repent means to turn around. Turn your life back to God. If you're on the wrong path, you can always choose the right path. You can transform your life through the faith and love of Christ. Christ can transform you so that you do repent. You turn your life back around to God and become an expressive person of faith rather than a pretender of faith. There is hope for each and every one of us because God calls us into that unique place. A message is a message of love. God says, I love you no matter what. All I want is for you to walk in that faith. If you love me back, then do this for me. There's a lot of work in the world to do, folks. A lot of it. You can even pick your poison. There is so much to be done. Will we be pretenders of our faith? Or will we live and walk in wholeness, choosing integrity, choosing wholeness, choosing to express our faith in ways that lets the light of God shine through us? Are we going to channel the love of Christ out into a world that needs it so much? Or are we going to 
sit and tell folks, well, I'm praying for you. I hope things get better. I have seen the face of Christ in so many here today. It just overwhelms me. So many of the folks here at Resurrection, I know you have suffered and gone through so much of your own problems. I know people have had roofs blown off and trees down and just all kinds of horrific damage. And still, they take the time to come up to me and the other folks from Harbor MCC and Galveston that are here and give them a word of encouragement. And I have had so many people say that they're going to show up on Saturday next week to help us out. I'm beginning to wonder how we're going to do all this. I'm going to need like a massive logistics team just to put it all together. But you know what? We are going to worship. We are going to worship God through our hands, through our feet, through our minds. And we are going to minister to each other. Because it is in that shared ministry of loving each other that we find the true message of God. That God loves each and every one of us. Today we worship together at 2025 West 11th Street. As Reverend Pat mentioned, next Saturday at noon, Harbor MCC and Resurrection MCC will worship together at 1401 39th Street in Galveston. However, we'll not be wearing robes, we'll not be wearing vestments, we'll be wearing gloves and carrying cleaning supplies and moving wheelbarrows. And we invite all of you to participate in worship that is truly service this coming Saturday in Galveston at noon. I hope many of you will be there for this special worship service. On our altar today is a candle that we want to light at this time. This candle represents our hope and the light we offer each other. We'll continue to light this candle as part of our prayer for the restoration of all who have been impacted by Hurricane Ike, that people will find strength in each other and strength in God and hope. Most wonderful and awesome God, we come together in solidarity for you have called us to be the body of Christ. We ask that this candle be a symbol of how we are united by faith in your love. In your many names we pray. Amen. Amen. Where have you seen the face of God lately? Where have you seen the hand of God last week? I've seen the face of God, the hands of God, all over the place here at Resurrection and the community around us. I've seen the hands of God on hands and knees in this area, in the dark, by candlelight, cleaning our chancel area so that we could have worship last week in the candlelight. I've seen the hands of God handing out diapers to some of our families in our community here who had no ability to get to the store and didn't have the resources to take care of their children. 
I've seen the hands of God carrying flashlights and lanterns as they made their way through our sanctuary in the middle of the night and through the other buildings because our alarm system wasn't working because we had no electricity. And so this particular person committed to staying through the night to make sure that our church remained free from vandalism and harm. I've seen the hands of God hammering panels above broken windows, and I've seen the face of God bent close to another reflection of God as prayer was taking place, prayers of comfort and support for our community. I've seen the hands of God bring hot breakfast uh, to the volunteers that were in our activities building, saying, you know, let's all eat together while we do this service. And I've seen the face of God smile very happily uh, to receive the gifts that have been offered. The hands of God, the face of God, these are the things that we get to see when we make ministry happen. At one point, I asked one of these people if I could help reimburse them for some resources they were contributing, and they said, no, 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 you know, I don't even want to talk to you about this. This is between me and God. I don't even need you to say thank you. Another time, I said, no, really, the church can take care of that for you to somebody else, and they said, no, 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 and they looked at me a little offended. They said, this is my church, too. And what I got to know and understand is when we make ministry happen, you know, we put stuff in these baskets, we write checks, and we do those things. But on a deeper, deeper level, what makes ministry happen is what happens in here that makes us say, no, this is between me and God. That makes us say, this is my church too. This is our church. It is between us and God, and hallelujah, let us pray. God, thank you so much that you are our God and that we are your peoples. We thank you that we can turn to you and we can see you all around us, that we can be you in ways that amaze and surprise even us. I thank you for the ways that you bless us in humility and in small gestures as well as in large things. God, bless all that touch these plates as they pass that their hearts might know your truth and your presence within them, and that we might honor your many gifts in the millions of ways they show up here. We ask a blessing upon all that is given this day and each day in your many names and in Jesus' name. Amen.